Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. We are coming, I would say, one town in Germany, but we're not because we're going all around the Luther Trail here in the Deutschland. Yeah, this is a special episode. Germany is celebrating the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther setting the Reformation in motion when he uh, supposedly nailed 95 theses to the door at a church in Wittenberg. And 500 years later, they're celebrating it in a number of ways around the country. We're going to be coming to you from a number of different towns around Germany as we go through here. We're going to start in Eisenach at Luther House. We're going to interview a man named Malcolm Croson, who's a local there. Also, while we're in Eisenach, we're going to hike up to the Wartburg Castle. And this was a place where he was sort of held prisoner, and I'm putting prisoner in air quotes as I speak, because they really hit him out there because he had been directed to be taken directly to Rome if anybody could lay hands on him. So they hit him out there. I want to be locked up there. I mean, if that's what prison is, take me there. We're going to visit a town named Erfurt, and this is where Luther sort of got his start on the religious path. This is where he first joined a monastery. We're going to visit the monastery there. We've got an interview with Dr. Irene Mildenberger. We're also going to interview a local there named Kristen Luther, and we're going to ask her about her last name. Berlin is having a special exhibit called The Luther Effect, and we're going to do an interview on that. Now, this is, you know, all very serious and there's a lot of serious exhibits and things and looking well education i was going to say i've learned so much on this trip okay but so there's all this very serious educational stuff but it's also really fun it is because little luther right yeah number one we're going to a lot of fun towns okay number two there's just this whole feeling everywhere we go of there's all this luther stuff playmobil put out a thing called uh, little luther and we're going to be taking pictures with him around the country various places we visit will have little luther posted there but there's also we've seen luther rubber ducks luther comic books an energy drink called the devil's death <laughs> a better name than red bull when you yeah. say <laughs> It's, you know, a historic time, but it's also, it seems like they're kind of getting everybody involved and having having a good time with it, which is something we've really enjoyed while we've been here. And all that information, there is a lot of it, we will have on a hot sheet for today's show, which you can find on TravelBrigade.com. You can find that there. You can also find our pictures on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here with Jeff Griffin here in the Luther House. Here with the Luther House in Eisenach. Uh, this is where he lived as a schoolboy from 1498 to about 1501, and he was quite young when he came here. His parents sent him to live here on his own, and he made it as a choir boy and made it here. And here to tell us more about the exhibits here at the Luther House is Malcolm Croson. And Malcolm, Luther said, no town knows me better than Eisenach. Why did he say that? Well, Luther came here, and he was very impressed by the town itself. And it was something that uh, developed through his time here, because when he studied here, 
He was studying at the uh, Latin school, but he also spent a lot of time working as a choir boy to supplement his income. And through this work, he met a lot of people living in the town and from different uh, so it was in quality, quality of life. These people impressed him so highly that he stayed with him and he began to identify himself with the town itself. It's a lovely town. We, we actually came in today and walked here to the Luther House. And what's really interesting is you've got a, a mix of the old and the new. You've got parts of the original house and some new built on it that's very modern. And we're actually standing here in an exhibit that's just about to open. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's to do with Luther's views uh, 500 years ago when the Bible was translated. He was regarded by the, the Catholic Church as an outcast because he, was, he rebelled against everything that the Catholic Church stood for. But throughout the years, of course, he was regarded by the Protestant Church as a hero. And it's about the 300 years that it took to get these two religions to conform, to be together and determine the, the future of the religious works of Luther. I thought it was really ingenious when we came in, they handed us some glasses, and we'll try to post pictures of these, that one side is blue, one side is red. At first I thought, oh, we're going to see a 3D Luther in here, but no, what it is is uh, if you look through the blue lens, you see pictures and phrases through the Protestant eye view, and then if you look through the red lens, you see the Catholic view. So on one side you might see, uh, it'll say hero. On the other side it'll say anti-hero. On one side you might see a, a sort of a profane picture of Luther. But if you look through the other side, you see a profane picture of the Pope. And I, I felt like that was a really ingenious way to do this. And I also love that they've sort of got everything sitting on boxes. And I'm trying to figure out what the symbolism behind that is. Well, I think the building stones are a part of the way we're supposed to actually look at the way Luther carried on with his religious views. It was very, we said earlier, very topsy-turvy to start off with, but it leveled out throughout his, uh, his, the, through his preachings and the way people understood it, because we mustn't forget that Luther brought the religion that he wanted to portray very close to the people living in the in the local towns because he spoke a language they understood this was something that had never happened before They'd, they could hear the words but they didn't know the meaning but behind them and luther brought this very very close to the people and being translated into a saxon dialect it was easier to for the uh, people living in further counties to understand it and that's why it spread so quickly I think that was one of the really, in, in terms of the main exhibit that we saw, that was something that was really interesting was Luther was not only a religious reformer, but he really sort of in many ways set the basis for modern German as we know it with his, with his translations. Yes, he did. You're quite right. And I think looking at the, uh, the Gutenberg, or the, the copy of the Gutenberg Press, printing press, he was very lucky to have this form of similar to social media nowadays. It was something that just caught on very, very quickly because there were hardly any books that were written before the Bible. And when the Bible was printed, everybody wanted to read something because it was so different, so uh, innovative. It was something that people really had a, they had a hunger for reading. And two things happened at the right time. I was also going to mention that some of the interactive exhibits that you have here where you can sort of touch things or look at things, particularly where, you know, kids or families can get involved. Tell us a little bit about sort of the spectrum of people, what they can expect when they come here. Well, when they come to the museum, 
they can touch the touch screens and they can listen and actually see some of the videos that are actually going on from different people hearing it from different points of view. There are local people, there are entertainers, and there are people from the church that all give different views and they have different opinions. And by the end of the, uh, the tour, which takes between um, 45 and minutes and 60 minutes, you can form your own opinion of how you interpret Luther's works. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, on the one hand, you can go into this house that he lived in and even see the bedroom where he would have stayed when he was here. And then, as you put it, you literally step 500 years into the future and you come right next door into the brand new building. When was this new building built? And it was sort of done somewhat in anticipation of this 500th anniversary. Yes, that was, uh, that is the, that was the big build-up for building this uh, house here. It was necessary. It's um, only been here since October 2015, and it's built so that uh, handicapped people have access to all the exhibits in the museum, which is, of course, something that's uh, absolutely necessary nowadays, because we have, uh, in the town, we, I say we, regarding Eisenhower, we have a lot of people from the ages of uh, 50 to you know, upwards that like to uh, see the cultural difference that's gone on in the town in the last uh, 25 years, 20, 26 years after reunification. And there's a lot of catching up to do between East and West, especially as far as culture is concerned. Well, since you're a local, another question we have is just what, you know, why you're here, there's lots of other things to do. There's churches, there's a market square. What would be some of the things that you would recommend people do while they're here? I think Eisenach has a, a lot of things that uh, it can be proud of. It has, of course, Martin Luther, who we've just spoken about. Uh, Johann Sebastian Bach was born here. And we have a very nice museum that's also highly uh, regarded within the musical society. It's a modern museum with also uh, an older part, which is about 500 years old as well. And we have the castle, which is over 1,000 years old, the Wartburg Castle. And we have a uh, car museum in the town as well, which is the second oldest in, uh, in Germany. We will post links on our hot sheet for today's show for the Luther House and for uh, things to do when you visit Eisenach. You can find those at TravelBrigade.com. Just click on the hot sheet for today's show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Jeff Griffin. I'm here at Wartburg Castle. This is where Luther was taken prisoner, and I'm putting prisoner in air quotes, and stayed here more for his protection than to keep him out of things. It's a fascinating place, a beautiful place. It's got beautiful views of the valley below. I'm here talking with Dr. Mark Hochner, and he is responsible for a national exhibit that's going to be happening here called Luther and the Germans. And let's talk first about that exhibit. When does it open? How long does it run for? And what will it be showing people? 
Well, the exhibit will open on the 4th of May and it will run for roughly half a year until the 5th of November 2017. And the exhibit will show how Luther and the Reformation influenced uh, the last 500 years of German history, but also how throughout the course of German history, people always had a different view uh, of Luther and also used him for different purposes. When does it open and when will it close? It will open on the 4th of May 2017 and close on the 5th of November 2017. And when people come, what are some things that they'll be able to see that they wouldn't otherwise be able to see here at the castle? Well, uh, they'll be able to see the castle, which is also, uh, of course, uh, a major uh, sight to see. But uh, talking of the exhibition, uh, we have probably the only replica of a medieval covered wagon, uh, which uh, was built under expert supervision and also according to uh, a print from the 16th century and it's uh, very likely that Luther rode in that kind of a wagon when he was abducted, in air quotes, uh, to Warburg Castle. And uh, aside from that, we have about 300 objects on display from uh, various uh, German uh, museums, also uh, other European museums, and uh, you'll find works of art uh, from famous artists of the period like uh, Kranach or uh, Dürer, for instance. When people just normally come to the castle, what are some Luther-related things that they can see here? One of the things that most visitors want to see when they come to the castle is Luther's room, the actual room that he stayed in uh, when he translated uh, the uh, New Testament into German. So that's something uh, that uh, you can see. And uh, you can also, we also have a um, showcase library uh, where we have uh, also a very important collection of writings uh, of Luther, pamphlets, broadsheets by Luther, which were collected in the last uh, centuries. And what I find interesting is, yeah, Luther was here for a couple of years, but this is a castle that's been here for several hundred years, and uh, you can really get a sense of all the different stages of the castle here. Exactly. The castle has been here since the 11th century. The oldest building dates from, from the 12th century, and the castle was always remodeled, rebuilt uh, during uh, during that time. So the uh, most important addition was uh, in the middle of the 19th century when it was extensively rebuilt, remodeled. Uh, many of the uh, old buildings received uh, splendid new interiors at the current historicist style, and uh, it continues. And so working museums... So so um, it also continues to be adapted to visitors' needs. So it's actually it never ends. And I was kind of surprised to learn that people have been coming here sort of as a Luther pilgrimage. Not long after he was here, we were just in the Luther room, and there's actually some 16th century graffiti in there. Exactly. The so castle was was always a place of interest, especially for, for Luther. People came here in the 16th, 17th, 18th century. Despite that, the castle was still a working castle. It was a, a center or a seat of government administration. There were also prison cells. As a matter of fact, the um, flight of rooms where Luther stayed in were also used as prison cells up to the beginning of the 19th century. And then, uh, of course, many people also came here because, uh, or come here because of the St. Elizabeth of Thuringia, another uh, important person to, to be connected with Wartburg Castle, so a saint from the 13th century, a woman who devoted her life to helping the poor. And so that's also one of the reasons to visit the castle. Now, I took a hike up here and discovered why this was a good place for somebody to hide out. You can also get here by car, by taxi. And how long would you advise someone, if they're coming to the exhibit, how long should people plan, I would say, a good half to a full day here? 
Yes, I'm sure. Uh, I'd also say a good half day to a full day. So you can look at the castle grounds, the exhibit itself. I'd plan an hour and a half, two hours just to look at everything. So and then, of course, you can also I mean, there are also restaurants and whatever. So, yeah, half day, half day at the, at the, at the minimum. Right. And if people want to visit or they want to find out more about the exhibition, is there any particular websites they can go to? Uh, they can go to uh, the Vartpork website, which is www.vartpork.de, which also has an English version, or to find out more about the national exhibition, which is not only here in Eisenach, but also in Berlin and Wittenberg, they can go to www.3xhammer.de. All right. Thank you very much. We will have links on the hot sheet for today's show. If you go to TravelBrigade.com, you can find links there to all of the places that we're talking about. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. Not sure where to go, what to do, and where to sleep? Up next, hot hotels, unique activities, and top attractions in our destination city. Check it out. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. We are here in Germany following the Luther Trail. You just heard a couple of interviews from places we visited in Eisenach and had a great time at both of them. We kind of wanted to go over some of the logistics of how to travel here. And again, the places we're telling you about today are just one way to do the Luther Trail. There are many different ways to do it, and we're going to be posting links to the German National Tourist Board. They have several different itineraries you can choose from, or you can make up your own. We're focusing on Eisenach, Erfurt, and an exhibit in Berlin, but there are many different ways you can go. You can go to Wittenberg, all these different places. So make sure you check out our hot sheet at travelbrigade.com and go to that link. Now, talking about airfare, um, we flew into Berlin. It's a great location to start, especially since, one, we were going to see an exhibit there, but two, a really quick train ride to Dresden. Now, you can rent a car and go to a lot of these different places. We've been training it the whole entire way, and it's just, we found it's pretty, really easy to find once you kind of figure out what you're doing. You know, haven't had to change trains. We've been mostly direct to our trains, and getting in the stops, we've been able to get accessibly there. One thing that I'd recommend, too, is to if you are going to take the train, you know, flying into Berlin is, is a great option, but we also have traveling down. We're actually fairly close to Frankfurt as well, so you could kind of come into one location and leave out of the other. Another thing that I kind of recommend, too, is downloading any apps before you come. We downloaded the train app, and it's been really helpful to, instead of kind of having that panic, which we, I, I know I do, when we're on a train trying to figure out what platform we're going to be on, it's really easy to just put the train information in on your phone and you can have the platform already ready to go and make sure the train's running on time and all of that. So that's a really good way to make things happen. Coming up, we've got two interviews that we did in Erfurt. One was at the Augustinian Monastery where Luther first became a monk. You know, before he could set this whole thing in motion, he first had to become a monk. And there's kind of this story that he was walking along one day in this open field and a lightning storm came and he prayed to a saint and said, if 
if she would save him, he would go join a monastery. And apparently that happened. There's also sort of, he had just been home to visit his parents and told them that he didn't really want to stay in law school anymore. And they told him, no, go back and go to law school. And instead he ended up having this experience and going back and joining the monastery. It's no longer a monastery. It's now controlled by the Lutheran Church. And we've got an interview with a Lutheran pastor who works there. And then following that, we will speak with Kristen Luther, who is actually a person who uh, tells people about great things to do around Erfurt, but also happens to be a descendant of the Luther family. So stay tuned. We've got those interviews coming up. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Again, we are here. Our whole episode today is talking about the Reformation, talking about Luther, sort of following the Luther Trail here in Germany. It's been such an interesting experience. Luther, of course, was a monk, and when he started the Reformation, and and he had to join a monastery to become a monk, and he joined the monastery here in Erfurt. It's the Augustinian Monastery, and it still stands today. Now, it's no longer an operating monastery. In fact, there was a Lutheran congregation that meets here regularly, and they're under the direction of Pastor Irene Mildenberger, and she's been so kind to give us some of her time. And tell us about, first of all, tell us about the time that Luther spent here. Luther came into this monastery in the year 1505, and he stayed here for six years. In the beginning, the first two years, he had to, in the beginning, the first year, he had to learn how to live as a monk. So he first was a postulate, and later a novice. In autumn 1506, he became a monk for the rest of his life. In this time, he thought it would be the rest of his life. And then he liked to become a priest. So in spring 1507, he was ordained a priest. And here in our church, he had his first mass, his primits, as the Catholic Church calls it till today. And then after becoming a priest, he started to study theology. In this time, it wasn't necessary to study theology to become a priest. And then in 1510, he uh, left here and walked to Rome. Can you tell us a little bit about that and then sort of what resulted when he came back? There were problems in his order, and so he was sent to Rome to, to fix that, but it wouldn't work. So he came back, and still there were two uh, parties in this order, and he belonged to the party of Johann Staupitz, Johann Staupitz, and so it was a bit difficult for him to stay in this monastery because now he belonged to the other party. And that was one of the reasons why Staupitz said he should go to Wittenberg. Another reason was he was really smart, he was really intelligent, and they needed a new professor for theology in Wittenberg. Johann Staupitz said, oh, better you come to Wittenberg. And so flashing forward 500 years, what can people experience when visitors come here today? Talk a little bit about what they'll see and and what they can learn here. We here have really set the whole monastery, all the buildings. So you can see here how monastery in a city in the Middle Ages looked like. You can see how big or how small it was. 
so you really can feel how they live. One example that we, staying here all the time, what we experience in winter times, it can get very cold in the church. The coldest I had was minus seven degrees. So I can understand that Martin Luther once said he always was freezing in the monastery time. So you really can experience how it feels like. And you can walk where Martin Luther walked. We pray every day in the church where Martin Luther prayed maybe three or four hours a day. So you can experience how it was to live as a monk. Speaking of which, we were just upstairs and saw the little cells that the monks lived in and and the hay beds and some really interesting artifacts that you have up there. That's also worth definitely some time, some original translations of the Bible that are up there. I want to know a little bit about some of the special nights that you have. Um, We just saw a poster that had the Martin Luther night that looked like it was a dinner and a candle dinner. Tell us a little bit about some of those events that you have. This is a new event we will have in this summer on the day when Martin Luther married. So we tried to say it's like the wedding banquet of Martin Luther. It's the meal they had when they uh, had their wedding in 1525, and our cook, our chef, is cooking this meal, and there will be two actors, and they play Martin Luther and his wife, and you can can hear them both talking together and tell about their story. Interesting. And one other thing to sort of bring you into the inclusion of staying here is guests can actually stay overnight. Is that correct? Yes, you can stay, but when we have free rooms, but because first we are a conference center. We are a big conference center with a lot of conference rooms. So groups are coming, church groups, other groups, conference groups. And then there are still rooms left, and then you can come just take a room and stay overnight. Tell us a little bit about what to expect if you were to do something like stay overnight. It's not your typical hotel stay with TVs or things like that. It's a more communal feel. Yes, for example, in our dining hall, we don't have small tables so that everyone on breakfast can sit on his, on his own table. But we invite the people to sit together on a big table like it was in a monastery. And we don't have TV and we don't have Wi-Fi in the rooms because we want the people to have a bit silence and retreat. So we also have one guest house that's used for doing retreats and we have a meditation room and all the guests can come and use the meditation room. Tell us where people can find information if they want to come do a visit here, website they might visit. There is a website at justaugustinakloster.de. You can find all you need on this website and you can book rooms, you can look if there are rooms and you can ask and book guided tours and you find all information you need on our website. Perfect. We will put that information on our link for today's show as well so that you can access that as you're planning your trip. Make sure that you check us out. We'll be putting photos with this episode at TravelBrigade.com, also on Twitter and Instagram at TravelBrigade. We'll be right back. Not sure where to go, what to do, and where to sleep? Up next, hot hotels, unique activities, and top attractions in our destination city. Check it out. 
Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here with Jeff Griffin. Again, we are following the Trail of Luther, and now we are in our next stop. Yeah, we're in Erfurt. It's a beautiful town here. We've been stunned just since we got in and saw the beautiful cathedral that overlooks the plaza in the heart of town. It's a beautiful place to visit, and here to tell us more about it is Kristen Luther. She is with Visit Erfurt, and besides the Luther things, what are some of the highlights of coming here? We've notice there's a bridge that is really noteworthy, there's the cathedral, there's some tunnels you can go in. Tell us about some of the things that people might want to do here. Yeah, well, uh, Erfurt is a very old town. It is about uh, 1,275 years uh, old, and um, there are lots of historic buildings in our city that can be visited. For example, our uh, cathedral that you just mentioned, uh, Cathedral St. Mary's, which is on on a hill and uh, can be reached after climbing 70 steps. Then we have um, the Citadel Petersburg um, with dozens of tunnels that can be walked through during a guided tour. We have the Merchant's Bridge, which is uh, 700 years old, with a couple of sweet little uh, shops and galleries, a chocolate manufactory, an ice cream parlor, where you can wander around um, and enjoy the special atmosphere there. What else do we have? We have um, the Augustinian Monastery, where um, Martin Luther became a monk. This can be also visited. Let's talk about a couple of uh, highlights during the year. We know there's a festival on the bridge every year, and then also every year there's a time when they do theatrical productions on the steps of the cathedral. Tell us about when people could visit to see those. Merchant's Bridge Festival always takes place on the third weekend in um, June, and um, it is our biggest uh, festival here in uh, the state of Thuringia, um, where we have lots of medieval uh, artists coming to the town. Uh, we have medieval food, which uh, can be eaten, um, lots of music, bands playing on, on the bridge and um, throughout the city. So that is one of our uh, main festivals here. A second one um, are the cathedral. Steps uh, is the Cathedral Steps Festival, which takes place in either July or August. Um, this year we have uh, Giuseppe Verdi's Troubadour playing on the Cathedral Steps, and uh, next year will um, the 25th Jubilee with uh, Carmen from uh, Georges Bizet. We can't help but noticing your last name is Luther. We're dying to know. Are you any relation? Indeed, I am a descendant of the Luther family, not directly from Martin Luther, but uh, from his uncle and his uh, son Adam, and that's where I descend from. How many generations, and are there a lot of Luthers still here in the area? No, not not many. Um, there are some. I read that about uh, 1,000 uh, Luther descendants are living in Germany. They are not much. There are a couple here still living. Now, if people want to get more information on visiting Erfurt, where can they go to? Well, they can come to our tourist information, which is right next to the Merchant's Bridge on uh, the Benedictsplatz. It is open um, all days a week, and uh, we are looking forward to your visit. Perfect, and we will also post information on our hot sheet for today's show. You can check that out at travelbrigade.com. You can also check that out on Instagram or Twitter, and we will be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at travelbrigade.com. 
Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin coming to you from Germany. And we have been doing the Luther Trail and have been all around Germany. It's been quite fun, very interesting, and we've heard some really great interviews. We've had interviews so far from Eisenach and Erfurt, and we wanted to tell you about a couple of sort of unique places that tie into the whole Luther experience that you can stay in each of these places. Now, you just heard recently an interview with the Augustinian Monastery where Luther initially joined as a monk, and you can actually go stay there now. That's right. One of the most interesting things to sort of get in this sort of medieval feel while you're doing this whole Luther trip is to find some sort of unique experiences that go along with that. And staying at the monastery is an interesting thing you can book at their website at the monastery. And it's a very communal stay. So the rooms, there's no TV, no Wi-Fi. It's very communal. The breakfasts are on big tables. And so that's kind of an interesting, fun sort of little twist when you're there. We're here in Eisenach right now, staying at the Luther Hotel, which also has a really fun tie-in. But another really interesting thing, kind of going into dining, is that they also have a sort of a very medieval dinner. It's done in candles. They serve some of Luther's favorite things to eat. Um, And also at the monastery, they do some special events. You want to look on their special event page. They do, they're going to be celebrating the the wedding day of Luther and they're having a candlelight dinner and reception. We also did an interview earlier from Wartburg Castle and there's actually a hotel up there that you can stay at. And again, it's a bit of an effort to get up there, but once you're up there, boy, are the views incredible. And there's a a wonderful restaurant there and uh, everything like that. So that's another way to kind of have a unique experience when you're here. Coming up while we're going to Berlin now, Berlin didn't really have any specific tie-ins to Luther during his lifetime, but we decided to go up to Berlin because a very important exhibit titled The Luther Effect has just opened at the German National History Museum there in Berlin, and we wanted to get you some information on that. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. For the Travel Brigade, tweet them at Travel Brigade. back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Our trek on the Luther Trail has taken us to Berlin. Now you might be saying, I I don't think Luther had a lot to do with Berlin, but in this case, in the 500th anniversary, it does because there's a very special exhibit called the Luther Effect that you can come see in Berlin running through November. I've got the good fortune of meeting with Boris Nietzsche, and Boris, first tell me how to say the name of this museum and also how to, maybe we can distinguish uh, where this exhibit is premiering. So um, I'm working for the Deutsches Historisches Museum, the German Historical Museum, and we are having this exhibition in the Martin Kropius building. So we're not having it at the Deutsches Historisches Museum, but we have it in a bigger building called the Martin Kropius Bau, located in the center of Berlin. And I noticed we're right next to an old section of, of the Berlin Wall here. Exactly. We're basically at the very next borderline where the bill, the wall was just passing in front. Now, for a 500th anniversary of Luther, you could have just got some stuff Luther used and kind of put it out, and everybody would have said, 
and said, here's, here's Luther, and everybody would have said, hey, that's great, good job, but you, you guys went way beyond that. Tell me about the kind of the main idea, some of them, there's several main ideas behind this exhibit. So that, yeah, there are several ideas. And first of all, we have these Luther year, and everyone is talking about Martin Luther, and he's very important, but first of all, he has never been to Berlin, so we're not an authentic Luther, Luther place. So it wouldn't really make a sense um, to make an exhibition about him, and there are other exhibitions at the same time in authentic places that are far better in displaying his life, because there he lived, he passed, he passed the time of his life there. So we we were not focusing on the person, Martin Luther, and I think that is important because, especially here in Central Europe, we tend to forget that it wasn't all about Martin Luther. There were others. He wasn't alone. So he was not the only reformator, and we're not talking about reformator, uh, the reformation. We're talking about reformations, and we used the plural because there were several other ones that worked, and had some of them had even a bigger impact than Martin Luther. And the other aspect is that we are here. Berlin is an international city, so we want wanted to focus on something more international. We want to broaden the perspective and, and, and give a bigger view and see what is happening outside or what happened outside in the world with the ideas of the reformations. Um, that, that is what you're going to see here, the effect of the reformations in the world. We have a global view on the Protestantism. Because you've got Sweden, Tanzania, Korea, and how, how it affected those particular countries and perhaps of particular interest to a good portion of our listening audience, which is people from the USA. You've also got an American section here. And what stands out as unique about the way Protestantism uh, unfolded in America? Well, the first thing in America is that uh, that strikes the eyes, a pluralism. So there wasn't only the Lutherans or there wasn't only the Presbyterians or the Amish. or uh, There were several churches from right from the beginning. There were different confessions arriving in the USA, and they all had tried to install their own confession there. But as there were so many, it didn't work to make, like in Sweden, what happened in Sweden was that there was one big Statal church, but in the USA you had from the beginning a pluralism and then led finally to a strict separation between state and church. And I think that is one of, something we wanted to show in this exhibition that uh, as an example of the possible pluralism and coexistence of different uh, uh, confessions. Now, there are many uh, incredible art displays, historical displays. Are there multimedia exhibits and things that ways people can access this besides just looking at the historical artifacts? Yeah, we have several ways of, um, well, several media. We have sound, we have um, video. Um, we also have people talking. So we have um, people from the, these countries, and they, in short statements by sound, give a little bit an introduction to their relation towards Protestantism. So um, and we also have an, a multimedia guide, and by that you can have access to the exhibition through different ways. Is there anything that stands out as being something that hasn't really been displayed very much before or maybe is, is kind of rare? That is a difficult question because for an American uh, audience, things that might be completely striking here uh, might be very useful, well, very common. Um, but what for me was something completely new was um, the pin cushions, displaying pin cushions. And um, for a German, pin cushion is the right word, yeah. Um, and for a German, that is something quite strange. What has pin cushions to do with religion and with Protestantism? Um, and I was also wondering why we are displaying them. But um, for the Amish, buttons are luxury. 
So if you, um, if you don't use buttons, you need pins to wear your clothes. And if you have a lot of pins, you need pin cushions. And um, these are these very simple and, and, and day-to-day life objects that sometimes are very revealing. And I really like these small objects that are showing what happened and how, how day life was. Another example that especially here in this uh, US section is we are having a cupboard. And that is, well, a cupboard might be not something special, but this one is from a Protestant cloister. For a European, a Protestant cloister, the idea of a Protestant cloister is very strange because it doesn't exist. Um, so these are small objects that tell different stories and that I like very much. And you're right, for, a, for an American audience, we get very excited if we see something that's 100 years old when we're, when we're back home. When we get over here, 500 years is, is just the start. Can you talk a little bit about the role that Protestantism has played in American history in terms of abolition, in terms of African-American church? Especially here in this um, U.S. section, for us, well, it was very important to show two things. First of all, that was Protestantism had a very diverse standing towards slavery. There were the abolitionists, but there were also people that were with the same arguments sometimes justifying slavery. So for us, it was important to show that it wasn't a unique stand, that there were different stands and that all the different confessions and groups were also having conflicts in between. And another thing was we wanted to show the rise of the black churches. That was an important aspect. And another thing that we wanted to also to point out was mission. Protestantism had from the beginning a mission. And in the United States, that started with missions um, towards the American natives. And we're showing also this aspect. In the 19th century in America, there was sort of the, I believe it was called the Second Great Awakening, and a number of religions came after that, and a number of people sort of self-styled, such as Mary Baker Eddy or Joseph Smith, sort of following in the footsteps of Luther, so to speak. And is, is that addressed here as well? We are addressing also the Great Awakenings. We're showing them by a few examples, because these were groups and people as well that were important for the development of Protestantism. If people want to get more information about visiting and about or seeing part of the collection online, what's a website that they can go to? Well, they can go basically to two websites. I would recommend the 3xhammer.de, um, three times hammer. Um, that is the international website for all three national exhibitions. And they're basically close together. So um, if you have a little bit more than just one day in Germany, um, I think it's important. Well, it would be a good idea to visit all three because they combine together. They give a very broad view on what was Reformation. Now, one of them is here, and then one will be opening in Wartburg. And where's the third one? In Wittenberg, that's also where he uh, announced his 95 thesis, so that's important authentically the place as well. I, I would have still one thing, and um, that is combined with the first question you had. Um, the question why we wanted to show in Berlin these, the kind of world movement of Protestantism is um, Reformations was an idea that started in Central Europe, and it spread quite quickly through the, all over the world. But these global, let's say, global phenomena are now coming back. So if you're going out in Berlin, you will find all these international churches and confessions everywhere. So we wanted to show as well or to give it a bigger understanding of what we in a one way see in our daily, daily life or what will come back as well. So we want to give a background to not say, well, here we are Luther, we are Reformations, but there is coming something back from, from the world as well. Thank you very much. We will post links on our hot sheet for today's show. If you go to TravelBrigade.com, you can go there and, and link directly to that. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. 
always agree, but they always seem to have their reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Again, we are here in Germany. We've been doing the Luther Trail. And just as a reminder, um, there's a lot of information that we went through today, a lot of different destinations. We will have all of that information on our hot sheet for today's show. You can check that out at TravelBrigade.com. We've come to that time in the program where we both pick our favorite things to do in this particular case, our favorite things that we did along the Luther Trail. It's called He Said, She Said, and as always, She Said goes first. Again, we've been having such a great time here. It's been such an educational experience, this whole thing, learning, you know, tying stories together that I knew or kind of putting things in historical timelines. It's just been really an interesting educational experience. So if I were to pick one thing, it would just be how much I learned, to be honest. It's just been such a great thing. But I'm going to go with the monastery. I think the monastery was such an amazing thing to kind of really see that experience of what, you know, where Luther would have been living and what he would have been doing every day, you know, everything about where he would have been sleeping and and the library I thought was just really, truly amazing. Um, there's so many historical books in there that you can still make appointments to do research in there. So I find it just, just really amazing. And of course, just being here in Germany, the hospitality has been amazing as well. Yes, we've always had great hospitality when we've come here. If I were to pick one thing that we did along the Luther Trail, it would be this particular new exhibit that just opened at the Luther House here in Eisenach called The Catholic View of Luther. And what I found really amazing was that they bring you these glasses, one blue lens, one red lens, and at first you think, oh, we're going to see 3D action Luther on a screen or something. But it's actually, you look through the blue lens and it gives you the Protestant view. You look through the red lens, it gives you the Catholic view. And as you go, as you move through, you'll look at a, at a word. Uh, and for example, on the one hand, it'll say tempter versus, and then if you look the other way, it'll say popular saint. Or there'll be a picture that you'll look at and if you look at it through the blue lens it shows something making fun of Luther if you look at it through the red lens it shows something making fun of the Pope just really interesting way of of bringing all this together and I thought that was really great the other thing just in general that I want to say is what's been so fun about this is just everywhere we go there's Luther stuff and being immersed it's immersed in Luther there's, and 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 not just the, the places but the plays and the books and going into any train station and seeing like Luther products there in the bookstore in the train station and again I don't want to dismiss it as anything being you know commercial or silly because it's just it's just fun. It's like being in a town when a when a team is going to the playoffs or something. It's almost like that, like like everybody's cheering on this one thing. It's just been really fun to see. Unfortunately, it's come time for us to leave the Luther Trail and head off to other destinations. We'll be back next week with another great destination. In the meantime, please remember, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, please join us next week. See you next week and enjoy the trip. You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com.